fans, wherever you may be, welcome inside the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Join your host, Bill Alfstead, and featuring Seahawks sports writer and football analyst, Keith Myers. Hey, Seahawks fans, welcome back to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. We've made it to the regular season, so we're so excited to be here. Got a big show today. I'm here again with Keith Myers. Good morning, Keith. How are you? I would be doing good if I could breathe, but there's so much much smoke and ash outside that, um, well, if I yeah. start hacking here in the middle of the show, you'll know why. The so. air quality is so bad that the school sent out one of those... Um, one of those instant uh, communication emails and texts that they send out saying that the air quality is so bad that they're going to restrict the outdoor activities for kids today in the, in the district. So, it, and it's, it's visibly just smoky and ashes falling on my cars and in the, in the yard. And it's really bad up in Seattle too. I understand. I've got a bunch of friends up there where they've shown pictures and stuff and it's literally a coating. It looks like Mount St. Helens kind of a ash thing. Yeah, I um, my car is completely covered because I haven't gone anywhere since yesterday evening, and it is just a solid layer of ash. You can't really see my windshield. It's pretty dang creepy, and just what, seeing the pictures of the fires that are burning uh, only about twenty miles from here, and it's it's kind of scary, especially since. Um, they jumped the river, so we're down here on the. I'm on the Washington side of the Columbia River, and the fires were on the Oregon side. But they actually jumped over the river and caught fire on the Washington banks. So that's that's which, really nuts. Which yeah, embers had ember, embers had to be just crazy. Yeah, it tells you how how intense that fire is burning for it to push embers that big up because they had to cross over the river. And if you haven't been down to the Columbia in you know, people listening um, long enough to direct, remember how wide that river is. Yeah, it's it's huge. And yeah, it's about a mile jump, and a quarter, mile and a half across. So yeah, for so for so for these embers to jump the river and be big enough to you know make that jump and start a fire on the other side is pretty crazy. So it's it is not fun out there. Other right other now. than that, uh, Keith, I noticed on Twitter you shared a uh, a nice little beer uh, making thread. How'd that go for you? Oh, that went great. Um, yeah, so for those of you who follow me, you'll know that I don't just tweet uh, football. Uh, there was I decided to brew this weekend on Sunday, and so and I kind of did a, a step-by-step posting pictures and everything of what was going on, and I brewed a coffee milk stout Damn. Uh, with cold brew coffee, and uh, it is currently sitting in a fermenter and bubbling away and going from... Well, sugary water to yes. um, to beer, and it's in that process. And it is, I got to tell you, I tried. It's okay. It's unfermented, so there's no alcohol and a lot of extra sugar. But I, I you know, you taste it right. um, at that point, and it tasted yummy. So it had I'm a nice, nice color to it too. I'm I'm really looking forward to this uh, when it comes out, and I'll be kegging in about a week and a half, and then it needs to sit in the keg for a couple of days to carbonate, and then we'll try it. And I, but I'm a, I've got some some high hopes for this one. So enough of you. Let's talk about the team. Yeah. Like 
Last know, week, the whole we reason the- we have a, a, a podcast <laughs> is to talk about the Seahawks, not to talk about me. So. <laughs> yeah, but I'm really interested in that beer, Dan. I might have to come and uh, knock on your door and have a taste of that. So Bring a last last week was uh, was meaningless as far as the game went. So we don't need to talk about the game. Um, uh, but out of that, our roster was built. So this last weekend, team went through mammoth cuts as did every other team in the nfl and uh there was just a a ton of uh player movement and trades and cuts and the rebuilding of the practice squad and the the uh final 53 came together so we've just got a ton to talk about and what i thought that we would do today keith um we're going to talk about the roster we're going to talk about the 10 uh, man we're going to talk about the trades and cuts and all that kind of stuff and what it means for the team and the second half of the podcast time permitting we've talked about this ahead of time we don't know exactly how long we're going to take to, to get that all done but uh time permitting uh we're going to also do a, a schedule preview for the for the year and go through our predictions for win-loss record and then we're going to take a look at the seahawks opponent this weekend the first regular season game against the green bay packers at green bay uh, it'll be a nice little test early on in the season, first thing, uh, to be able to kind of sh- tell us where we're at. And um, But first, let's talk about uh, how the Seahawks built the roster. Do you have any opening uh, thoughts or comments uh, of how things kind of turned out? Well, there's a, there's a few weirdnesses in here in that they've only got three defensive tackles. I expect that to change. They kept 10 offensive linemen, which is one to two extra. I think I expect that to change with time. Um, but overall, I mean, it's a, the, the roster construction is about what we expected. In fact, I was looking back at some of our, our notes from last week and you and I did a pretty good job of predicting the roster. I mean, obviously you can't predict the trades and and things that happened. You just pick, we were just picking based on the guys that were there in, in, um, in camp, but it, uh, we did, we didn't do too bad. So yeah. No, I think so. And I, you know what? It's it's tough this time of year, especially when you go from ninety to fifty three. You don't give it uh, the, the the fans kind of a chance to absorb the the guys that weren't going to make the team anyway. And then you get down to the the, the fifty three, and you've cut some players that you really fall in love with as fans, especially when you see them perform throughout the year. Uh, Williams comes to mind, yep. and they don't end up uh, on the roster, and it causes lots of consternation. However, with that said, I guarantee you we are in play for the Super Bowl this year because of the roster that we've got. And, and hats off to J- uh, John Schneider for building that thing because I'm telling you, as we go through this, I think everyone's going to realize that this is going to be a really special team. Yeah, so, it really it really looks like it. This is a so I a tell solid, you what a solid group of talent. It's very yeah. Good. Well, let's let's go through it, Keith. I tell you what, um, why don't we go through it on my notes just so that I can kind of stay on task here. Um, okay. Quarterbacks. Uh, there wasn't a surprise by the time it was all said and done. They went with Russell Wilson, obviously starter. Austin Davis is the backup. Boykin uh, got cut. He did end up uh, back on the practice squad. Keith, do any surprises there for you? No, not at all. I mean, uh, Boykin played terribly the last two preseason, preseason games. He sure did. And it was, uh, you know, mirrored by Austin Davis playing well in both of those games. So uh, it became kind of a no-brainer to do that. I like that the team kept Boykin around. I think he still has, you know, some of those qualities that you like. He just needs to 
develop a little bit as a passer, as a thrower. Um, I think he didn't need to develop a little bit between the years. I mean, for me, yes, the passing was off, but I think he made poor choices in that last two weeks yeah. that reflected his overall uh, football demeanor. Um, and I think that needs to be honed a little bit. And I think that practice squad is perfect for him. Last year, it would have been perfect for him to mm-hmm. be on that practice squad. I think that that year um, with the team regardless was good, but I think he needs another year. Um, cause my hopes were high, uh, at the beginning of the season, um, uh, preseason for Boykin to be able to show and they can keep him and re- continue to develop him and so forth. But, uh, I was a little disappointed in that situation because I don't think Austin Davis is as good a quarterback potentially as Boykin is, but he is right now. And that's yeah. what the team team needs. He's got a, got a lower ceiling, but a higher floor. And that's what they want. At, and their backup right at this moment is a guy that's not going to lose them games. If if Russell Wilson goes down for a couple series in a game, they need a guy who's not going to throw a lot of interceptions. And that's what Boykin did in the preseason. And if Russell Wilson goes down for a couple of games, they need a guy that can uh, manage games and let the defense win it. And... You're, you know, if you're throwing interceptions, you're not that guy, which is what yeah. Blinken did. And if Russell Wilson goes down like indefinitely, like for a very long stretch, it doesn't matter who the backup quarterback is. Yeah, I think and Austin so- Davis could come in and win a game for you, especially with our defense Give, on, on a given week. Oh, I mean, yeah. we've got a pretty favorable schedule, and I think that helps. Um, but I think Austin Davis could come in and give you, you know, at least a decent chance to to pull something out. So let's move on, Keith. Can let's we get okay. into the Let's do go running ahead. backs, and I'll, I'll read them off this time. Just yeah, so running backs. Kind of exactly. go back and forth. Um, so the running backs are Chris Carson, Eddie Lacy, uh, J.D. McKissick, who they list as a running back, um, C.J. Proceis, Thomas Rawls, and then they also kept fullback Trey Madden. Um, so Alex Collins is no longer with the team, but Mike uh, Davis is. Uh, he landed with a practice squad, so that was... Um, was kind of unexpected after he had such a great preseason. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to get picked up by Kansas City or someone, but he made it through waivers and landed back in Seattle. That's a good thing for Seattle, obviously, um, because you have to worry with this list about the health of Thomas Rawls and C.J. Proceis. Now, uh, Pete Carroll did come out and say that Proceis would be ready for this game this week, but Thomas Rawls is still on the fence, and you have to be concerned about that given the – uh, the, the the glass nature of Rawls's ankles. Um, but I'm super happy that Chris Carson is on the roster because of that. I think Chris Carson and Eddie Lacy give you a nice one-two punch if Rawls isn't in there this next week. And then Procise being healthy is really a big thing. If they can get him to uh, catch passes out of the backfield, that's a pretty dynamic trio right there. Uh, I'm not surprised about the Trey Madden thing. I don't know that that roster spot at fullback is completely settled. They may bring back uh, Reese. Uh, they may not. Trey Madden may end up proving himself. I think they would like to keep a younger fullback over time, so we'll see what happens there. But um, other than that, uh, Collins was was uh, cut and picked up uh, on a uh, the, the Ravens practice squad, I believe. Um, and that's good for him. I think he needs a little bit more time in the uh, to season. Although he's he's a pretty decent running back, I think he'd probably end up on a fifty three roster this season. 
Yeah, he he will. I mean, you look at what happened last year. He uh, struggled early, and I think it kind of poisoned his reputation with Seattle fans because he struggled early in the year. But then by the end of the year, he was playing really well. Like He was the team's most reliable uh, and dependable back down the stretch last year, and that says yeah. a lot. Um, and so the, the talent is there. He will, I'm sure he will end up on a 53 and be contributing for someone at some point this year. Yeah, and again, I feel a lot better with Mike Davis on the practice squad. I hope he stays there. Agreed. Um, but if he if we need to bring him up or or any other running back that's out there, I'm just I'm a little worried, you know, to be honest with you about the health situation of our running backs. Although you can't argue with the talent level at running back, this is probably one of the most talented uh, running back groups that the the team has ever had, at least on paper. Yeah. Uh- Absolutely. I mean, you look at, we know that Thomas Rawls, when healthy, can carry a team because he did two years ago uh, when he led the entire NFL in yards per carry. Uh, Eddie Lacy can because he's done it with the Packers. Um, Chris Carson has been the best back of the group in uh, camp and in the preseason. I mean, he's been just lights out good. We know that Procise's talent is off the charts. We saw that last year when he's healthy, although he is injury prone and, you know, it doesn't has a hard time getting on the field or staying on the field because of that. But just the that group, those four guys are so good. They're so yep. talented. It's just really impressive. I think moving on to the wide receivers, Keith, one of the, the guys on that list could impact J.D. McKissick, I think, uh, going down the road in uh, Lockett. So we've got Baldwin, Lockett, Richardson, Darbo, and McAvoy made the team. Um, on Lockett, uh Pete Carroll today said if Lockett can go this week, he's going to be returning kicks too. And that's not good news for J.D. McKissick. That's basically, I think, the only reason why they're keeping him around is for some insurance there. You could definitely seek Mike Davis back on the roster. They may like McKissick, though, because he gives them something a little different, especially with Procise being kind of uh, not completely healthy all the time. They may end up opting to keep McKissick on the roster just for that. Yeah, McKissick's spot is... He's Tyler Lockett insurance in the return game, and he's uh, CJ Procise insurance as the third down back. And that's the only reason, that's the reason why he's on the roster. If Procise and Lockett both prove that they can be reliable as from the injury point of view, um, eventually McKissick will get cut. But I, I, what I, the player I think they, they end up bringing back isn't going to be Davis. It's going to be a, another wide receiver because right now they've got five. One of which is Paul Richardson, whose health is difficult. Um, he doesn't stay healthy, you know, all that regularly. And Lockett, who's coming back from a pretty major injury. So that gives you three, like, fully healthy um, wide receivers. So I think at some point we're going to see a six to make the roster. I I think that you're probably right. And you know who I think that they thought that they might get to do that was... Kaysan Williams. And that was yeah. the biggest cut and biggest disappointment for Seahawks fans. I know it was on Twitter because um, it got me in trouble a little bit on Twitter even because I was kind of advocating for the uh, the corporate line, if you will, the John Schneider line um, saying, you know, we have to, like you said, we had to cut guys. And uh, for various reasons, Williams was cut. And he didn't even make it past the first claim, uh, wire claim. Uh, Cleveland picked him up to mm-hmm. be on their 53. So... It was clearly a, probably the toughest cut out of camp, and uh, it would have been great insurance to have somebody like that around the roster. 
it came really down to Darbo and, and McAvoy and um, as a position group, I think that's kind of where they wanted it as a team. And it, a guy like Williams getting cut, you can't necessarily point directly to the wide receiver group as to why he didn't make it. Sometimes a guy like McKissick pushes a guy like Williams off just out of the, out of the necessity in the return game. Um, and, and the injury protection they, that he they gives. Kept, they kept 10 offensive linemen. Usually exactly, would, Keith. Usually so they would keep nine. Right, um, right. So there, there's a lot of moving parts. And, exactly, exactly. You know, um, people will look at, for, for reasons I have yet to figure out, um, there are a couple of people that are prominent members of um, Seahawk fans that are saying, oh, this is about... Amara Darbo. It really was never about Amara Darbo. The reason Kaysen Williams got cut, if you look at the roster spots, it, became, it, it came down to a 10th offensive lineman, J.D. McKissick, and Tanner McAvoy. Yeah. Those those are the, the, the three guys. Yeah, you could even add Tedrick Thompson to that on the safety list. Yeah, but Tedrick Thompson, I mean, they, the way they separate offense and defense on this. Tedrick I, I Thompson, understand that, but I'm just talking as, a, as a, just a whole. Yeah. As the team is looking at building, they've decided to go with five and five on the defensive uh, backs, mm-hmm. and that may have had a, a a role. I mean, you're right though. We can those, you can focus those, on the offensive guys and those those it's those three guys and Kaysen Williams. They can, you're going to keep three out of those four. McKissick, a tenth offensive lineman, um, McAvoy, and Kaysen Williams. An argument uh, can be made, Keith, that you keep Williams and you and you cut. Say the, the Isaiah Battle, for example, yes. or or Tobin, Absolutely. and, and, and have them come back later, or make it to the practice squad, and then come back off of that. Whereas you know that when you cut Williams, you're probably going to lose him. Yeah, and see, and that's that's actually what I think is that I think the if you're going to say that the mistake was made in the formation of this roster in terms of the the case in Williams cut the mistake that was made was keeping that 10th offensive lineman you don't need 10 on your roster uh, especially with all the guys they have that that are like super versatile and can play multiple positions um and so the keeping a 10th and losing case in Williams was the mistake like that's that, that that to me was was this was a thing. Anyone making this about Amara Darbo is just really was not paying attention during camp. Um, yeah, it kind of said. I mean, I get that fans didn't see much of him in the preseason because he uh, was hurt for a game. He got a concussion early in another game. Uh, that's not. I mean, that doesn't go into into the decision. The coaches see these guys every single day in practice. They see them every single day in the meeting room. And Darbo's roster spot was never in doubt. It has nothing to do with his uh, draft position, and they were unwilling to cut a third rounder. It has everything to do with the fact that he showed up every single day and did what he um, was expected to do. His spot was never in doubt. So those are all great points. And I, I think the... Going forward, the wide receiver group looks looks great, and I think it's going to really help Russell Wilson. You can't argue with Baldwin. Lockett, when healthy, is dynamic. Richardson, when healthy, is, you know helps stretch that field a little bit. Darbo's a nice possession guy, and McAvoy, too, shows up with that big body down in the red zone. We need that. Um, and then the team also was able to uh, re-sign David Moore and Cyril Grayson to the practice squad, too, so that gives them a little bit more depth on the wide receiver spot. However... 
I don't believe that either of those two guys would end up on the 53 this year, Keith. I think if, if somebody went down on that wide receiver group, they'd probably go outside of that um, practice squad to look for somebody else. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to see because it's hard to, to know what uh, who will go down and how much those guys will continue to develop, um, you know, because you never see them. So they their right. development will happen in the background. Um, I, I think that Moore, David Moore, who was the seventh-round pick, has a chance if if somebody gets hurt to you know to be the guy. But if it's if it's week one and let's say Paul Richardson goes out here and does the unthinkable and you know tears a hamstring again like he did a couple years ago, um, I don't. They're not going to pull one of those guys for week two. Uh, if it's week six, week eight before somebody goes down and they need one, who, who knows? I think you you're, you have a chance to see more develop and be ready by that point. So that's a it's just kind of a different situation. Quickly, in the tight end group, uh, we okay, got Gra- so, Graham Wilson and Vanette. Okay. I was, um, I, yeah, forgot to even have you mention like, the names. I was just going to jump straight in. Okay, sorry. <laughs> no. Um, I was just like, oh, let's talk about him. Um, is there any surprise there? No, not what, not one. Um, swoops got cut, landed on the practice squad. Love that. High, yes. high ceiling guy. Was a quarterback in college, though. Just needs more practice. Has to learn to block a little better. But his route running in his hands and just some of those little in- intangible things that you see about, you know, making a guy miss uh, in a way that he falls forward and, you know, picking up that uh, extra yard to get the first down. I think he's going to be a really good a good player. So I'm glad he's stuck. Uh, but the other three are exactly who we expected them to be. They're going to be in exactly the same roles that we expected them to be. So, Keith, let's talk about offensive linemen. We've got 10 of them. Uh, do you want to go through the list, or do you want me to? Um, I can go through the list. So, here we have um, we have our starters, which are going to be um, Risa Odiambo at left tackle, Luke Jokel at left guard, Justin Britt at center, Mark Glowinski won the job at uh, right guard, although um, Abushi will continue to compete, so we may see both of them over the course of the year, and then Jermaine Effetti is the right tackle. The backups are Tobin, Posick, Roos, and um, Isaiah Battle, who they traded for. And then, of course, whoever isn't playing between Klo and Ibushi um, also. So it's an interesting group in there in that you've got a, you've got a guard as a backup between the Glow and Ibushi group. You've got a pair of tackles between... Battle and Tobin, who are backups and you know don't offer a lot as far as starting potential. Uh, you've got a high ceiling uh, rookie in uh, Posick who can uh, play a number of different positions, but he is the backup center because Joey Hunt got cut. And then you've got Roos, who is the undrafted free agent. He's the only undrafted free agent to make the team this year. And he made the squad. He is also going to be a guard. And they really like him long-term. He's a really powerful run blocker. So uh, it's just it's a, it's a good group. There's a lot of depth here. The problem isn't the depth. It is the... There's not a lot of elite players in the starting group. And that's, yeah. that's the concern. Is Now, granted, if... Um, if they lose a starter, they have a backup who can step in, and it'll only be a little tiny decrease in overall quality. But because there is good depth, but the the it would be nice if there was there was an, a, another elite player or two in that group, and there's not. 
I'm glad that Joey Hunt ended up back on the practice squad. Now, granted, I'm, I'm not a big, huge fan overall of Joey Hunt, but he did he did uh, he did well in the preseason. I mean, if you really paid attention to the blocking and and so forth, uh, he did not uh, play badly. I thought. In fact, he made a one of the uh, preseason all you know all preseason teams at center. I saw. I think mm-hmm. it was an ES, ESPN deal or something. I don't know. I can't remember now. But so um, that's a good list. I feel comfortable going into it in the in the season, especially the way that Wilson's playing. I think he can help mitigate some of the um, the the rush that he's going to see. I think the the first two or three games is going to be telling. It's either going to be extremely brutal, and it's going to be a very much of an uphill learning battle that those guys are going to go through. And it's just you know just going to be throwing them into the fire and seeing if they can emerge, um, because there's there's really just not a lot of proven ability there. There's potential, but you know we're going to see come Sunday what they can do against Green Bay because Green Bay is going to throw everything they got got at them. Capers is going to blitz up the middle that's the one good thing about facing green bay in the in the opening uh green bay likes to stunt towards the middle a lot so they'll they'll blitz their their middle linebacker um more often than some other teams do and so forth i think we're equipped better in the middle of the line this year keith than the outside edges what do you think uh i absolutely agree i mean that's that was it's the strength of the line it's brit at center and then Joke uh, at left guard, and then uh, one of the two veterans at right guard, and that's the strength of the line. The, the weakness is at the at the offensive tackle. So when you're if you're, when this team is facing an elite edge rusher, uh, it's gonna that that's where they're they're gonna struggle because they just don't have guys who can block that. But as long as they can keep uh, the middle of the line solid and, and you know protect, give Wilson a chance to step up. And avoid that outside pressure, and just get rid of the ball quickly. I think they can they can do all they can do pretty dang well. Um, you know, it comes down to can they get the run game going though. That's that's where where I'm a little scared just with this group of guys is just their inconsistency and in run blocking at this point is has me a little worried. Yeah, overall the offense looked really good uh, in preseason. Um, I'm I'm hanging my hat on that. I mean, I've just got to believe that Wilson's going to find a way. Uh, Daryl Bevel's going to find a way to change things up enough where um, that offense has a chance, at least, to be to move the ball. And you know, we'll see what happens. It's going to be interesting. But I, I'm looking for a quick start out of the offense this year, actually. And uh, I, you know, it the offensive line is what it is. And I think mm-hmm. the team is is used to that now, three years running, and they've adapted a little bit, and they're going to bring that tight end in to help. And I think it's going to be okay, so we'll we'll see. But speaking of elite edge rushers and, and elite defenses, we've got our own elite defense, probably the best defense in the NFL this year. And the I'm not sure how you can argue for anybody else. Well, and and the front defensive line group, Keith, has taken over as the best. Uh, position group on this team away from the Legion of Boom. What do you yes, think? Yes, I, I would agree. Um, it, okay, let's just let's just say it. Uh, the Seahawks traded for um, defensive tackle um, Sheldon Richardson from the Jets. This is an absolutely crazy addition 
um, to the Seahawks group. Now they lost. They, they traded away to a group to pick. a group that didn't even really need him. No, to I be mean, really good. I mean, to be really good, they didn't right. need him, but they did. It was one of those things. They were still lacking that inside pass rush. You know, that right. the guy that could get upfield and, and and kill quarterbacks from the inside consistently. Uh, what people don't like, don't seem to realize, is just how good Sheldon Richardson is. This guy is a monster. He is a dominant, dominant defensive player who just destroys guards on a, and centers. And on a on a bad defense, it wasn't able to show as yeah. as good as. Think about Richardson in this defense, dude. Yeah, I'm talking like game changer. Yeah, I mean he is—he's that good. And you add him to a line that already had Michael Bennett, Frank Clark, and Cliff Averill um, at defensive end. How how do you how do you block that? Um, I mean, this is—it's—it's it's just crazy how good and how talented this group is. Um, I, I just it—it it just baffles me that. Teams are looking at this and being like, "How do we? How do we block that? How do we stop that?" I mean, it. it, it you kind of think back to the Rams a few years ago when they got Aaron Aaron Donald and they had just that that defensive line that was just crazy. Except for that, the Rams didn't have a secondary. You know, their the linebacker yes. play was was, yes. was was mediocre or is average, but and then their secondary was bad. But they had this great defensive line. The Seahawks have that great defensive line. They've got Bobby Wagner and KJ right behind it, and then you've got the Legion of Boom back, but. Yeah. Scoring so on I this think, defense I think, will yeah, be very, exactly, very Keith, hard. You said it right there, scoring. I think this the team changes in two significant ways this year, maybe even three. Uh, we were third in the league in sacks last year. I think we're number one in the league in sacks. I think that we're number one in the league in turnovers. We really lacked the, turning the ball over this last year, um, kind of middling in that respect. I think Richardson changes that. I think the development of Clark continuing to develop. The addition of Naz Jones likes to get his hands up in the air. Um, our, our linebackers have, have improved. McDougal back there in the secondary. McDougald. Um, we're going to be generating turnovers this year. And the third thing is points allowed. I could seriously see this defense allow 14 points a game max. That would be crazy because that i mean think about, about it, it keith we we allow 17 in the past 15 14 14 is what we 14 something percentage point uh is what we allowed in the super bowl year yeah so we're talking about a defense that went four years in a row leading the um nfl in scoring in terms of you know points allowed and then last year it fell off a little bit, but that was only because of the uh, Earl Thomas injury and just dealing with all of that. But and then coming back this year, it, and lead, you know, they're going to, uh, barring a bunch of injuries or something just super fluky happening, uh, they're going to lead the the league in scoring defense again, and and that is just it's incredible. It's incredible how good this group is. Yeah. I mean, it's such a good group that Garrison Smith was cut and landed on the practice squad. I like Garrison Smith. I think he's mm-hmm. going to be a good interior guy. He may end up back on the roster if they don't find somebody else in that interior. Um, but but the rest of the line, you got Reed, who's in his second year. I think he's still got a lot to prove, a lot a lot of growth there uh, available to him. Everill and um, Bennett, obviously. And then Frank Clark, I think he's going to have a monster year, especially when he's surrounded by s- such good players. 
Frank Clark, they're just not going to be able to double team Clark and Richardson at the same time. And then you've got Bennett. I mean, you're right. What do they do? Where do they double team? How do they adjust? Your offenses are literally not going to be able to win against the Seahawks. It's just going to come down to can our offense score more points than the other team? Yeah, because what happens is you have to double team Sheldon Richardson on almost every play. Um, but then you're that means you're not double teaming Michael Bennett and Frank Clark. Um, if you keep a if you keep a running back in to help, okay, thou or a tight end in, and you say you're, gonna, you're just going to block. Now that's less people out in cover or out uh, in passing routes. So you're telling the Legion of Boom to cover less people. Yeah. How that's not a that's not a, a situation where that you win as an opposing offense either because you're you're taking this elite group this elite secondary and you're saying yeah we're only covered three guys <laughs> because that's all we can afford to send out into into pattern yeah so it's it's pretty crazy um, well then you add Naz Jones Marcus mm-hmm. Smith who was a number one pick David Bass had a great preseason you rotate those guys in there's literally not a a spot of weakness on that defensive line at this point that I can see. Yeah. So, okay. So since you brought up Bass, go back. If you go back to our show last week, I said that it was Bass versus Cassius Marsh for a roster spot going into this. And David Bass is in Cassius Marsh was traded to the new England Patriots uh, for a fifth and a seventh round pick. The Seahawks, it was actually the Seahawks seventh round pick who they traded away um, earlier to get a cornerback. So essentially you got, for Cassius Marsh, they got a cornerback and a fifth round pick out of New England. Um, and not only a cornerback, probably a, ba- a backup uh, nickel corner yeah. on the it, defense. It, it's a, it's a, we'll, we'll get to that when we, when we talk about the, the defensive and he, backs. And, but he, and Marsh a, was a, a backup, going to be mm-hmm. a backup, deep backup probably on, yeah. that, on that line or linebacker. Yep. And, and so it, it basically, uh, Marsh was in the last year of his rookie deal. He probably wasn't going to be re-signed. And then he got beat out by David Bass. And uh, for that for that kind of last spot on the defensive line, and Schneider turned it, turned Marsh, who was on the outside looking in, you know, definitely a bubble guy, into a. Um, you know, in, into assets, a fifth round pick. Uh, a cornerback that's going to get playing time. I mean, it's, yep. it's a, yep. it's a good, And, and Marsh was in his last year of his contract. Yep. So speaking of contracts, I, I want to go back to Richardson real quick because I want to talk about value. Mm-hmm. So what we gave up a second round pick, that's going to be a low, it's probably going to be, you know, towards the back of the second round. Um, we gave up a seventh round pick and Jermaine curse for Richardson and Richardson's in the last, year of his contract, $8 million. So question is, how hard are the Seahawks going to push to re-sign Richardson? Uh, Given the fact that when guys like Richardson are on your team, you don't want to let them go. And and if it turns into being a one-year rental, is it worth it? Yes. Uh, Jermaine Curse was, there was a, the, the team was shopping him it wasn't just that he was thrown in as what they had to do to get Richardson. The team wanted the team was shopping Curse in order to move him and his contract. He had lost his job. He was the at best fourth receiver um, on the roster, and uh, Darbo and Casey Williams at the time ha- were pushing him, and it 
he basically Curse had lost his job, so they were shopping him, trying to get rid of him. Um, being able to move him and his contract and all of that salary cap hit was very helpful for the for the Seahawks. Um, so you say, okay, what did they give up there? They gave up a player they were probably going to cut if they couldn't trade. So I, I, basically, that means they gave up nothing. Um, so you're talking about a seven or second round pick because I had, I'm not going to count the seventh because seventh are just you know those are priority free. Well, agents. and and Schneider will uh, make that up. Yeah, he'll make up that you know some a little trade here or there. But um, so you you give up a second round pick for one of the three top, maybe four top defensive tackles in all of football. Um, I don't care if it's a one-year rental. To me, that's worth it. You, you go and you do it because you still have a chance to re-sign him. And, even if, and if you don't re-sign him, he's going to go sign a monster deal with someone else. And Well, you can always franchise him too. True, you can't. But I'm saying he's going to, if they don't re-sign him, they don't franchise him. He'll sign a monster deal with someone else, and you'll get that compensatory pick. You'll get a third rounder back. Right. So you gave up a second for a year of this guy, and you're going to get a third rounder back. You you get you lost one round in order to have this elite player on a. That's team. what I'm talking about, Keith. That's exactly why I wanted you to explain it because that is exactly what we're getting with Richardson. Yeah. Is it, is we've literally we've trans we've literally gone from a win now team like they're seriously going for a super bowl this year and we brought in richardson on top of that already mm-hmm. great unit that was going to compete for a super bowl so all i'm saying is richardson at that price and then they're going to resign him i mean if if he proves to be the guy that he is going to be they're not going to let him walk out the door because he's 26 years old we've got looking at bennett and everall that are kind of Getting, they're winding down. They're 30, 31 years old. Um, you know, if you combine Richardson going forward with Reed and Naz Jones and Frank Clark, you've already made your defensive line going for, forward. I, I just don't see him letting him go, even if it's top dollar, even if he's the best paid defensive tackle in the league. The Seahawks have the cap space next year to do it. Um, and, and, and we can talk about Graham and so forth and what they're going to do there. And there's a couple other players that they're going to have to look at. They've got a ton of guys on this team right now that have one year contracts and that was specifically designed so they'd have flexibility. And I think that flexibility turns into Sheldon Richardson being on the Seahawks, you know, yeah, for year, years to come. I think, I think the franchise tag gives them a lot of flexibility there. You know, the fact that they can, can look at this team and, and figure out what they want to do. Uh, long term, as far as using you know their their salary cap money and and they can move some stuff around and just and make it work. I, and I, you don't get a guy like Sheldon Richardson very often. Uh, he is a special player. It's just a special talent. And at some point, you can't just let guys like that go just because their contracts up. You have to figure out a way to pay them. And I think yeah. they will. Yeah, it'd be like letting Frank Clark go. So Frank Clark's Frank Clark, right? And it would be like letting Frank, they're trading away Frank Clark for a mm-hmm. second round pick. I mean, we would never trade Frank Clark for a second round pick. That's how desperate and dire things were in New York that they would even consider this trade. They're complete tank mode right now. And the Seahawks, uh, and you got to give uh, John Schneider all the credit in the world for this because A, he was really patient with this pick. Uh, they were on the on the radar for this pick way back at draft time. Um, 
they waited and waited and waited patiently for Richardson's value to drop just enough uh, to where they went in and swooped him. And they took advantage of the uh, the ineptitude of the New York uh, Giants, not Giants, uh, Jets franchise. Yeah, the Jets were reportedly asking for a first and then some, uh, like a first and a third at draft time. Uh, and the Seahawks were like, mm, no thanks. And then later it became, okay, just a first. And they're like, mm, no thanks. And then it became, well, they got him for a second. They got him for a second and a player they were going to cut anyway. Um, and that's just, it's the Jets wanted a first and third, and the Seahawks got him for a second and a player they were going to cut anyway. Yes. And, it, um, and that's exactly, so, and, and so in, on Twitter this week, I got kind of in a dispute with another guy. And I was basically saying, listen, Mr. Snyder, he's got this big track record. He's done this, this, and this. And he was complaining about, you know, the Williams deal and about, you know, woe is me, blah, 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 blah. And I was just trying to talk some sense, and he blocked me. And I was like, how can you argue against John Snyder when you have moves like this, which are rare for general managers to make in the NFL? I mean, you don't see big, huge trades like this a lot. And coming on the winning end of those kind of trades, um, and and you take a look at all the other masterful things that he's done over time. Sure, there's been some down drafts and so forth, but a lot of that has to do with you know positions in which the Seahawks were drafting. You know, you win a Super Bowl or you're in the Super Bowl, you're drafting at 31, 32, year in, year out. You're going to have some misses in the draft, but overall, you take a look at the full body of work of John Snyder. I'm telling you, man. We're so lucky to have a guy like that running the team. But. Well, one of the one of the things that's that's really super annoying about uh, Seahawks Twitter is that they got themselves so worked up over Seattle's draft uh, this year, uh, basically saying that the Seahawks screwed up and you know making these assumptions about how they let their board get away from them because they went and got. Shaq Griffin instead of uh, the Kevin local King. guy and right. Kevin King, and none of that's actually true. They, the Twitter group wanted the local Husky product, but the Seahawks got a guy who has got a better body of work, much better tape, um, and is also super athletic. The difference is, is that he's an inch and a half shorter. Uh, yeah, and, and that's really the difference. But his tape was significantly better, and they also got him in the third round instead of the first. So, well, we'll get it, our chance to compare the two. There, uh, Kevin King is yep. on the Green Bay Packer team, and I yep. and I understand he's a, a key contributor there. And so, we'll get our chance to to see if he shows yeah. up against Russell Wilson. So, so you you have these. What I was saying is, you, you have all these people that are still angry about that, and then now they're angry because Casey Williams, another Husky product, right. Got cut, and they're angry because uh, Jermaine Curse, another Husky product, got traded. Um, at some point, you have to recognize your anger is about the fact that the Seahawks aren't keeping your favorite Huskies, and not about the moves the Seahawks are actually making. Yeah, well, you can't argue with the overall depth and quality of this roster. You just you can't. can't. No, I mean this is a Super Bowl roster. Literally, we are either one or two in the NFC. Uh, as far as how I would personally rank the team, um, and then you look at, at New England on the other in the AFC, and then there's everyone else. I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're uh, you know it, this reminds me of the 2013 setup where the roster was built and 
it looked like we were in a class all by ourselves. And I think I, I just don't see any reason to dispute that at this point. So, but let's continue going through the roster so we can get through this thing. Uh, linebacker, um, Wagner, right? Will Hoyt, Garvin, and Dewey McDonald made the team. Um, any any thoughts on that group? Uh, you also missed um, DJ Alexander. DJ Alexander, yes. I'm I'm sorry. Also yes. made it. DJ um, Alexander. Uh, I I like this group. I mean, obviously, you know, you go with um, uh, nothing with KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner is a bad group, <laughs> right? Those are two, those are two elite players. Um, you know. Uh, Terrence Garvin's going to get the start at Sam. Michael Wilhoyt, who's a little bit banged up, gets uh, is going to be part of the rotation. He's going to be in there. And then the other two guys in uh, Dewey McDonald and DJ Alexander are both elite special teams players. Uh, Dewey McDonald showed much more in the preseason this year than he's ever shown in his career. I mean, he was getting upfield through holes, making tackles in the run game, really looked like he wasn't a complete liability as a linebacker, which he has in the past. And, um, you know, DJ Alexander can can flat-out play. I mean, he's very versatile. They had him at Sam. They had him in the middle. Um, he's a good, solid, uh, versatile backup. And both of those guys are very good special teamers. So it came really, I think that was the difference and why those two guys both made um, the roster over a guy like Cash Palacio, who flashed again yes. for the second straight year in a row. Right, fla- right. Greatly flashed in the preseason with his talent. And we, but- and we talked a little bit about that on, on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought, yeah, here's a guy that's totally performing. He looks great. But he's doing it against twos and threes, and he's also with the team all the time. They see him week in, week out, mm-hmm. uh, compared to these other guys that that may, you know, may not be getting complete snaps in the preseason just because they're they've already kind of determined that these are going to be the guys that they're going to go with. Yep, and and you 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 look at guys who have this proven track record of being really good on special teams, and if you're the fifth and sixth linebacker on a team you better be able to make plays on special teams and not well, just like not just here and there or whatever you better be good on like straight up good on special teams and that's what McDonald and Alexander are and it was telling that Palacio didn't make it to the practice squad and they they picked up a linebacker Austin uh Salatro mm-hmm. I don't know anything about Salatro do you know anything about Austin? I ac- I actually ha- do not and that's one of those things that I just have not had a chance to go back right, and figure exactly. out you know my old um I uh, find my old draft notes, and if I had any, because that name doesn't even, you know, ring a bell. But uh, we'll see, and then you know, do some tape study and that kind of stuff. We'll see where where that goes. But I just I look at that, and I just don't I don't know anything about him. But the team obviously likes him. Now, the nice thing about adding a player to the practice squad that you don't know is that it can essentially be like an extended tryout. Hey, guess what? You're going to practice with us for yeah. a week, and then we'll determine whether we want to keep you or not. Yeah, so. Seattle makes makes. I'm not going to say dozens, but tens of roster moves to their practice squad throughout the year, especially later in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, they move guys really, around off and on right, all the time. Right, right, So let's go back. Uh, let's let's take a look at the secondary, Keith. Why don't you go through uh, what you got? So, okay. So at corner, um, they went and traded for Justin Coleman. Uh, obviously, Shaq Griffin, Jeremy Lane, Richard Sherman, Nico Thorpe. That gives them a group of five. Uh, the safeties are Cam Chancellor, 
uh, and Earl Thomas, of course. They kept um, Tedrick Thompson and Delano Hill, the two rookies, and then you've got uh, Bradley McDougal, who is the um, backup free safety, along with uh, Tedrick Thompson. So you've got 10 defensive backs. Um, There's a little bit of... There's a story in all of this. Uh, The team was unhappy with what they had at slot, uh, in the slot. They really wanted DeAndre Elliott to be the backup slot corner. He struggled and struggled and struggled. So they were looking for uh, help there. And he got hurt. Well, yeah. So they were looking for help there. That explains the uh, Tremaine Brock signing. Um, But Brock is a guy that plays on the outside. He he also kind of struggled in the um, in the slot, so they they traded Brock to Minnesota. Uh, Elliot got hurt. They they still needed that backup slot corner, um, and so they traded for Justin Coleman, who can do the job. Uh, this is a guy who's he's only five eleven, so he's short for for Seattle. Um, he's but he's only twenty four. Versatile guy, but they like him. This is very similar to when the Seahawks traded for. Uh, Marcus Burley a few years ago, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, he's not that good," but he was a steady contributor as a backup slot corner uh, for two years. And and, and the, they went out and got him before the cuts were made. You know, yes. they just threw a seventh rounder out there. It's going to be a late seventh rounder. It, seventh rounders are easy to come and go and get and so forth, mm-hmm. and and trade back and pick up and so forth. So for them, it was nothing. It was just a chance to go get the guy that they wanted before he he probably wouldn't have made that team. Yeah, and the other thing is that they got that seventh rounder back with the, yeah. in the Cassius Marsh trade. So they traded it, the seventh rounder to him. They got him back. So Justin Coleman becomes the backup slot corner behind um, Jeremy Lane. The other interesting thing here is that Jeremy Lane was absolutely on the trade block. They were trying really, really hard to move him. Um, the reason why they wanted to move him in, uh, via trade was because Four million dollars all of his salary for this year is guaranteed, so they can't cut him. Because if you cut him, you're paying him not to play. You're you're, you're paying him to play for someone else. Yeah. Um, Brock Osweiler type situation. Yes. <laughs> uh, and so they they just they could not cut. Um, they they couldn't cut him. So they were trying to trade him, trying to trade him, trying to trade. Him, couldn't find a trade partner that was willing to to take. So on who suffered because of that? Pierre Desir. Yeah, uh, he was the guy that was cut uh, for that spot because he was going to be the the next guy. It really came down to a two man battle between Desir and Lane. Um, Desir won that battle, but the contract yeah. situ- the contract situation was is what it was, and so um, that's the business side of football, isn't it? Keith? It, right, it, right it really there. is. And the, the thing is, and this goes back to um, this goes back to the case in Williams. Uh, deal as well. Desir versus Lane, that decision was not is not going to determine whether you win a, win or lose a Super Bowl. Uh, Kaysen Williams versus Tanner McAvoy is not going to determine whether this is a Super Bowl team or not. It's not, um, and therefore we make a big deal about oh we think it should be this player. We look at all the evidence and and whatever, but there are other reasons to make these decisions, and financially it made. It, it made too much sense for the Seahawks to keep Jeremy Lane because you just can't pay him $4 million to play for someone else when the difference between him and Desir in terms of overall quality of play wasn't enough to matter in terms of wins and losses. So they went with um, 
with Jeremy Lane there. And that's that's really what it came down to. Um, you've got Nico Thorpe, who made the, t- the roster mostly for special teams. And if you watched the games, you'll know he was probably the weakest of the options as a cornerback. But he didn't make the team because of his skills as a cornerback. If you're yeah. the if you're the last, um, if you're going to make that fifth cornerback spot out of five, you better be a special teamer. Well, guess what? Let's, Nico Thorpe is an elite special teams player. Let's talk about the decision to keep a, a guy like Tedrick Thompson over Pierre Desir. Why did they go? Why didn't they go uh, six and four and they went five and five in, instead? Five safeties, five corners. <laughs> I think they did that entirely because of team control. Uh, Desir is in the last year of his contract, and if he, let's say he sticks and he plays well, you're going to have to pay him um, in order to stay, or he's going to go uh, next year. Whereas Tedrick Thompson was a guy they they had a really good draft grade on. They still believe in his skills, even though he didn't play well. Um, he isn't as quite as athletic as I thought he would be. Yeah, um, definitely did not have the speed that everyone kind of expected from him. But he's he's got a four-year contract, right? A four-year contract where he's not making that much. So do you, do you keep a guy with a four-year deal or do you keep a guy with a one-year deal? Um, and I think they went, in the end, they went with the guy with the, um, the longer contract, more years of team control. And it, it's, it sucks because like a guy like Desir, he went yeah. to uh, Indy and he's probably going to be a starter in Indy. Uh, before too long because he's ver- a very good player. But, um, you know, you drafted Tedrick Thompson for a reason. He may not have lived up to that this yeah, year. Yeah, not but, yet. Not yet, Keith. But that I doesn't mean, mean but yeah. he's, that means he's had a, he's had five weeks, right? So let's give him more than five weeks to figure out if he's going to be that guy. And it, he's on the team now. Um that doesn't mean he's going to be at the end of the year. It doesn't mean he's going to be next year at this time. But he's at least being given a chance. The other thing is that um, this year didn't play special team. It was one of those things where, granted, the team didn't really want him to. They wanted him focusing on on uh, just being a corner and being you know an elite corner. But uh, he didn't play special teams, and Tedrick Thompson does. So if I, I honestly think Tedrick Thompson's not going to be active on game days. He's not going to be part of the 46-man uh, game day roster. But if he is, he can play special teams. He can get out there and cover on kicks. So, uh, And that's not something that Desir did. So that also will factor into it. So all these are awesome and interesting conversations to have. But we're also talking about literally a guy named Tedrick Thompson that probably won't even suit this year. He'll be on the 53, but they'll probably... Not even bring him on unless there's an injury. Mm-hmm. But our starting 11 key is just, and, and then the like four or five depth guys behind the starting 11 are just, it's a world-class defense. I'm telling you guys, this defense is going to be number one in the NFL in a, in a bunch of different categories. Just because, Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's insane. It's I mean, I love a good defense, and I've always wanted a good defense. All the way through the Seahawks franchise's history, we've had a handful of them. Chuck Knox had a couple, et cetera. But uh, Pete Carroll has built this thing to where it's just so fun to watch. It's just going to be a blast. I can hardly wait. Well, Hawks fans, I think we're going to wrap up this show for today, and we're going to create a second podcast that will be out uh, later in the week that will do a roster, um, not a roster review, but we're going to do a schedule preview and a prediction show. And then we're going to preview the 
Green Bay Packer game. So, but this podcast has been outstanding. We've gone through the roster, gone through the practice squad. There's a couple other guys on the on the practice squad that uh, came on that weren't on our original team. Jaron Jones on the offensive line, uh, and Austin Salatro uh, that we talked about uh, briefly. Everyone else on there is uh, familiar. So go take a look at that list. Um, good show, Keith. Any final thoughts on the roster and what it means for the upcoming season? I want to send a shout-out to Tyler Ott, who's the long snapper, entirely because his name is not Nolan Freeze. And I think we need to continue to mention Tyler Ott on these podcasts because somebody needs to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, that and that made an, an impact last year at the it beginning did. of the it year. Really I mean, we had, we went through like 10, 12 weeks of just nothing but maybe in, up through, close to the playoffs. It was just one of those is are we going to have a successful you know, snap back to the the punter or is it going to go over his head in the end zone? I mean, all sorts of issues with that last year and hopefully none this year cuz that would be awesome. Yes. It's one of those things where we make jokes about the long snapper and using that as a roster spot and that kind of stuff. But in, when you ha- when you don't have a long snapper, which the Seahawks didn't for most of the last year, and they had Nolan Freeze uh, snapping the ball and doing it poorly, uh, suddenly you start to uh, recognize and and remember the importance of the, of that spot. And so, uh, good on Seattle for fixing it. Congrats to uh, Tyler Ott for making the team. Please, please just continue to be good. All right. That's it for me. <laughs> All right. So thanks for joining us, everybody. Uh, you can find Keith at Myers NFL. And I am at NWC Hawk. I need at least one more follower because I lost one this week. Uh, so come in and follow me on Twitter if you want. <laughs> uh, you can follow the uh, show at Hawks Playbook. You can uh, find us online at hawksplaybook.com, and you can find all the the podcasts there, Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, subscribe, all that good stuff. Um, And until next time, thanks again, Keith. It was a great show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hey, Hawks fans. Thanks for listening to the Hawks Playbook Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio and listen to all of our shows on hawksplaybook.com. You can follow the show on Twitter at Hawks Playbook. Bill is at NWC Hawk, and Keith is at Myers NFL.